today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. The Lord says through Isaiah, if you're willing and obedient, you shall eat of the good of the land. But if you refuse and you rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The opportunity to literally and truly take our sin, take the ugliness of the most inside, of the most wretched on the inside that we are, and that the blood of Jesus Christ cleansing us completely from that. Even the description of his feet, and even of his voice. It brings us back to the image in the Old Testament of the Ancient of Days, Daniel chapter 7. Do we really consider what Jesus went through on the cross for us? We are wretched sinners, and while we were still in our sin, he made the ultimate sacrifice. We are like a soiled garment with stains that will never come out with our own efforts. Then, as Pastor David reminds us, Jesus makes us white as snow. We become cleaner than we've ever been. The impossible stains are gone and we are fresh and new. And on top of that, even when we do mess up, we are new every morning. Well, let's join Pastor David in the book of Revelation chapter 1 with today's edition of The Open Word. He was sent there in Patmos in the year of 95. The Roman Empire was Domitian, well over 90 years old. He was only there for probably a little over a year when another uh, Roman Empire took the place of Domitian. But during that time, God used him. Whatever kind of constraint that he was in, he still had some kind of a relative freedom while he was on Patmos to be able to not only write this letter, but then be able to get the letter out to the churches. He says in verse 10, he says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. In the Spirit on the Lord's Day. Undoubtedly, it was probably a time of, of personal devotion, personal worship that he had, a quietness before the Lord. And when he speaks of in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, you need to realize that throughout the first century, many of the Jewish converts to Christianity, they recognized both the Sabbath, Saturday worship, as well as Sunday, the Lord's Day, the resurrection of the Lord. Sunday was called the Lord's Day. And as the church grew and there were more Gentiles than there were Jews, by and large, the church was meeting on Sunday. Sunday, the celebration of the resurrection of the Lord. So when he says on the Lord's Day, whatever, uh, again, was going on, whether there was a, a worship meeting or just in his own there, there was a time that he was in worship, he was in time, in meditation before the Lord, And when he says he was in the Spirit, I believe that John had one of those times that is so precious, I think, to any of us that uh, have that 
opportunity within our lives, within our spiritual lives. To be able to literally be able to shut out everything else and just have that sweetness of communion with the Lord where everything else is gone. I know for myself, when I try to stop and have a quiet time with the Lord, a real quiet devotion, my brain is just firing all kinds of things at me. And you know what I've had to do? I've had to take like a piece of paper. I've tried saying, Lord, just remove that thought. You know, I rebuke that. or what? I've tried stopping it. It doesn't work for me. I have to take a piece of paper and I have to write that thing out. So if it's something, I, I just need to remember that later. And now I'm done with it. And I'm done with it. I'm done. And then finally, to be quiet before the Lord. But for John, I believe it was much, much more than quiet. I believe that he and the Holy Spirit were in sweet, sweet, sweet communion. I believe that it was a powerful, powerful time. And God was going to speak to him in a powerful way. During that time, the Lord revealed to him the contents of this book. Now, we have absolutely no idea how long this was. I mean, it, it might have just been moments. The Lord just, boom, revealed everything. To You ever have a dream and it seems like it takes you longer to explain the dream than what the dream was? You know that you were only, you know, like flashed to sleep for a moment, but all these things. Maybe the Lord revealed it to him just very quickly. Or maybe it, it, it might have been literally hours that he was communing with the Lord and the Lord was just revealing this all to him. But again, when we look at the minute details of everything that we see in the book of Revelation, I believe that it had to be much more than just a moment. Could the Lord give it to him in a moment? Yes, he could. But it just seems like it went longer than that. He says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet. Verse 11 says, saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Now, we spoke extensively last week about this idea of the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. If you missed that last week, let me encourage you. You can get a uh, CD of it from the office. You can go online and get it. It's on our website. So I'm just going to leave that there because, again, who is this Alpha and Omega that's speaking? Is it, again, God? Is it Jesus? Yes, is the answer. And uh, all you have to do is listen to last week's message, and you'll know what I'm talking about. So uh, these cities... These seven cities, we're going to cover the background of them when we get into chapter 2 and as we go through them. But right now, understand and know that these are cities that are located in modern-day Turkey. And it's interesting to note that they're not just listed in a random manner. Ephesus being probably closer to the Isle of Patmos, Ephesus being the home church of John, the first one listed And then from there, you go north from Ephesus to Smyrna, then to uh, Pergamum, and then around from there. And you just make a full circle to cover all seven of these cities. After John heard these initial words of what he's supposed to do, it says that he turned around to see where and from whom this voice was coming. Verse 12 says, Then I turned to see the voice that spoke to me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. 
And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of God, clothed with a garment down to his feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. And we're going to look at this idea of the lampstands in a minute. But this one thing we do know, when John said that he saw someone like the Son of Man, John was speaking about that he saw Jesus Christ. He saw Jesus Christ, who was known both as the Son of God as well as the Son of Man. John knew who he was looking at. Why? Because John had firsthand experience with Jesus. He was one of the apostles. He walked with him. He ministered with him. For three and a half years he was there. He saw him. He knew him. But I believe also the Spirit just revealed to him who that was. There was no doubt of who John was looking at. And again, that's made a whole lot more clear a little bit later down, down in verse 18, when this very one says, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. That can only be the Savior. He's the only one. I lived, I was dead, but now I'm alive forevermore. So the description he gives Jesus, too, it's pretty amazing in, in the detail. What does he say there about him as he looks there in verse 13? He says that he's clothed with a garment down to his feet, and he's girded about the chest with a golden band. It's the idea of both regal, like a king, and, and priestly that's both there. This gown that's there, this golden band or this chest plate that's on there, both a king and a priest. And who is he? He's our sacrifice, Jesus. King, priest, and sacrifice, all is one. And as we think about that, that golden band that, that was girded about his chest, we're drawn into that idea of, of John standing before the very King of Kings, Lord of Lords, right there. That had to be overwhelming to him to, again, as a matter of fact, we see a little bit later, he falls down. He falls down and worships him. The overwhelming presence of Christ in his life. He goes on to describe him in verse 14. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. The symbolism of this head and his hair being white like wool, white as snow, again, speaks to us of holiness, speaks to us of the purity of who he is. Just, again, the glory that was there. It's almost a, a, a Hebrewism for, for holiness and purity. Again, the, the whiteness, white as, like wool, white as snow. Listen to, again, the call of the Lord through Isaiah the prophet in Isaiah chapter 1. You're probably familiar with the verse, but when the Lord through Isaiah says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be what? White as snow, pure, purified. Though they're red like crimson, they shall be what? As wool, as wool. And again, the idea, the, 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 the concept there is again, the whiteness, the purity, uh, just the cleansing of it all. But Isaiah goes on to say, if 
you're, or the Lord says through Isaiah, if you're willing and obedient, you shall eat of the good of the land. But if you refuse and you rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The opportunity to literally and truly take our sin, take the ugliness of the most inside, the, of the most wretched on the inside that we are, and that the blood of Jesus Christ cleansing us completely from that. Even the description of his feet and even of his voice, it brings us back to the image in the Old Testament of the ancient of days. Daniel chapter 7. Uh, you can turn there if you want, but in Daniel chapter 7, beginning in verse 9, Daniel says, I watched till thrones were put in place and the Ancient of Days was seated. His garment was white as snow and the hair of his head was like pure wool. Very similar kind of description of what we see of Jesus here in the book of Revelation. He goes on to say that his throne was a fiery flame and its wheels a burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. God was giving Daniel a prequel of what he's now showing John here in the book of Revelation. And if you'll remember, Daniel wasn't allowed to show or to write down everything that he saw. God told Daniel, okay, now seal that up. It'll be revealed later. And I believe in the book of Revelation that Revelation is being revealed at that point in time through the book here that we're going through. He goes on still in Daniel. He says, I watched then because the sound of the pompous words which the horn was speaking... I watched till the beast was slain and its body destroyed and given to the burning flame. Again, we're going to get into that when we get into the book of Revelation, the very events happening right there. As for the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. And then in verse 13 of Daniel 7, I was watching in the night visions and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given, to the Son of Man, to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. Here we see God the Father, God the Son, both in the Old Testament, in the book of Daniel. We see, again, these similarities between the visions of Daniel and the visions of John here. We see, again, this declaration of these end-time events where all will be turned in, uh, over for the reigning and the ruling of Jesus reigning and ruling his dominion over all of it, the very thing that we read in our New Testament, what we see happening there. He says, his feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice is a sound of many waters. Again, this brings to mind, again, visions from the prophets of old. Daniel chapter 10, verse 5 and 6 says, I lifted my eyes and I looked, and behold, a certain man, clothed in linen, whose waist was girded with gold of Uphaz. 
his body like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like torches of fire, his arms and feet like burnished bronze and color in color, and the sound of his words like the voice of a multitude. We see these, again, these declarations as God is showing either through an angelic visitation or literally through, through the revelation of the Ancient of Days and the Son of Man, very similar kinds of things. As man now tries to write down for you and I to be able to read and understand what they see in a heavenly realm. And I cannot imagine because it's not what we see. It's not from our realm. It's, again, eternal. It's glorious. It's, it's wonderful. And they're writing these things down. But we see these kinds of similarities that are going, man, their voices like big thunders. Their voices like the multitude. Just that, it just overwhelms everything. The, the, the head, white like wool, white like snow. These long flowing garments, just the beauty and the power of it. All of these things that they're trying to describe so that you and I can get just a little glimpse of heaven. So that you and I could hopefully get our eyes a little bit off of all the glitter and the glamour and what do they call it? The bling of this life and see that there's something much, much greater. Ezekiel says, behold, the glory of the God of Israel came from the way of the east. His voice was like the sound of many waters and the earth shone with his glory. The very presence of God in his creation. Let's get back to Revelation There in verse 16, John says, He had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. Seven stars, again, we'll explain in a moment. But this idea of the sword coming out of his mouth, sword, the word of God, that double-edged sword sharper than any, or the word of God sharper than any double-edged sword. And here it is being, again, declared and proclaimed as coming out of him. He says, again, there in verse 16, out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. Why out of his mouth? Because it's the word of God, the word of God. And what does it say? The word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. The word of God made flesh, we read in John's gospel. All of these things coming. And we see this same vision But every time we see it, this vision deals with an area or direction toward judgment. Judgment. That sharp two-edged sword that's coming out of the mouth is a sword of judgment. In Revelation 2, 12, says, To the angel of the church of Pergamos write, These things said he who has the sharp two-edged sword. He's going to go and speak to them. In 2.16, he says, repent, or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. In Revelation 19, one of my favorite chapters in all of Revelation, because again, just shows Christ coming in, man, powerful and mighty with the very hosts of heaven. But in that passage there in Revelation 19, verse 15, he says, now out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations or strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. That sword that comes out of his mouth. 
the word of God becomes the very judgment basis of all of humanity. It's not how many good works, how many of this I've done, how many of that I've done, but it's through the word of God. Where do you fall in that? A little bit later, still in Revelation 19, verse 21, it says, And the rest were killed with the sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse, and all of the birds were filled with their flesh. How many times do we hear, but God is a God of love? Surely God would not do this to humanity. Well, the word of God says that he will. How many of you got a chance to see the Bill Nye Ken Ham uh, debate last night? Anybody? Wow, you missed a really good thing. Now, I, I say a really good thing. Uh, at the end of the debate, if you are a, a believer in creationism, you'll still be a believer in creationism. If you're a believer in evolution, you'll probably still be a believer in evolutionism. But there were some good things that were spoken through all of this. And one of the things that I do appreciate is Kim Ham just over and over gave the gospel, over and over gave the gospel. It's kind of like, okay, we're, we're on this debate thing, but you know, again, this Jesus Christ that, that died for the sin of mankind. And, and Bill Nye's argument was, I mean, how do you expect me to believe that there is a God who would allow all these people to perish? That's, that's just, you know, I cannot even imagine that. Why? Because Bill Nye is a man. He's not a God. He has no concept of the reality of a holy and a righteous God. If there really and truly is a holy and a righteous God who, as the word is declared, he has revealed himself in multiple ways through his creation and through the word in all kinds of ways. And you can come and you can argue with me. Oh, but what about, uh, you know, the, the, the natives down in, you know, South Africa? What about this? What about that? The interesting thing is, is that God has revealed himself in such a way that even today, the stories of missionaries going down and people worshiping, they may not know his name, but they don't worship a pagan God. They are worshiping a God of creation, the one who held them all together. They're not totally ignorant of those things. Jesus Christ died in order that the world might come to faith in him. How God is going to work all that out, you know what? I'm too small, I'm too limited to be able to understand that. I'll just throw that out there right now. I don't understand it all. But my God is much, much greater than anything that I can understand. I have a responsibility to live my life and to declare whenever and wherever I can the truth and the hope of the gospel. The rest is God's, okay? And I'm, uh, again, um, do I, am I concerned about those? Absolutely. And that's why, again, we, we send out missionaries and have for years and years and years. And again, we could get into that big time, but when we get into, again, the judgment of the nations, we may touch on that a little bit more. All of this going back to say that out of his mouth went that sharp two-edged sword and his countenance was like the sun shining in strength. Again, all of the brightness, all of the brilliance, another way of speaking of his purity, of his holiness that's standing there. John wants to make sure that we understand how overwhelmingly powerful this vision is. Pastor 
Pastor David Landry has been taking us verse by verse through the book of Revelation, and we know you'll want to come back for more. If you'd like to hear today's message again or listen back through other teachings, you can find them all at theopenword.com under the Teachings tab. We hope today's message has touched your heart, settled some questions you've had, and maybe even caused you to ask a dozen more. If you do have questions, we'd love to do all we can to answer them. Please give us a call at 520-836-9676. We'd love to pray for you, too, and learn more about your journey of faith. Once again, that number is 520-836-9676. We believe that God has given us the church so that we can learn more about Him and about living together in community. Are you a part of a local body of believers? If you're in the Casa Grande area, Pastor David has a special invitation for you. Thanks for listening to The Open Word. If you're in the Casa Grande area and looking for a church home, I'd love to meet you and shake your hand. Welcome you to our community of believers here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. We meet weekly on Saturdays, Sundays, and Wednesdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and studying the Bible. You'll be able to find out more about us and get directions by visiting theopenword.com. And under the links at the bottom of the page, click on Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. I look forward to meeting you. Thanks, Pastor David. That's all we have time for today. But join us to learn more from the pages of Revelation right here on The Open Word.